Hey, it's Andrea. Today, Remick finally opens up to us, and we don't love what we see. Picard awkwardly tries to get out of a dinner party, and we ask the question, how many levels are there on a phaser? Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, we're almost there. We're we're so close. Unbelievable. I felt like at the beginning of season one, it would kind of never end. Um, (laughs) But I was wrong. It's about to end. And I'm so excited about the episode we are reviewing today. Yes. Today is season one, episode 24, Conspiracy, written by Robert Saberoff and Tracy Torme. And we may remember that Tracy Torme wrote the big goodbye episode. Mm-hmm. That the, I, so that one has like a special place in my heart. This one was directed by Cliff Bull, and the star date is four one seven seven five point five. While the Enterprise is en route to Pacifica on a scientific mission, Captain Picard receives a highly confidential message from an old friend, Captain Walker Keel of the USS Horatio. Keel refuses to discuss his concerns, even though the frequency he's using is supposed to be a secure channel, but insists on a face-to-face meeting. Once the Enterprise arrives at Ditalics B for the secret meeting, the crew discovers the Horatio and two other Federation ships already present. Picard beams alone to the surface and is met by Captain Keel and other captains. Keel reports strange orders from Starfleet headquarters and what he implies are suspicious deaths of Starfleet officers and expresses concern of a conspiracy. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, yeah. Conspiracy. We get to see (laughs) Remick again. Fortunately mm-hmm. slash unfortunately, mm-hmm. this is the second and final part of that story arc. Like, ah, yes, there's a lot on yes. here. So good. So, so overall thoughts, Andrea, what were your overall takeaways from this episode? Um, the, the, <laughs> my overall takeaway is I like the idea of some sort of conspiracy to like overthrow this all powerful, like Starfleet. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. I think the way that they did it is questionable. And those like parasites, like they look like in the early nineties, when I was a kid, they came out with those things called creepy crawlers that you could like mm-hmm. pour some goo into like a, a little mold and kind of bake them. And they come out like these like gummy looking worms that you mm-hmm. could play with question mark. Yeah. I Why think they were you? edible. Were they? Okay. See, they were. I'm, I'm a gummy bear addict. So maybe I could have gotten on board with that, but those like creepy crawlers were so weird looking to me and just like not awesome like the the Mm -hmm. top animation like claymation of them is pretty hysterically bad um i had some total laugh out loud moments but overall like it's it's very season one it's very season one (laughs) i don't know if though did you like the i did you like the story did you like the episode i mm, yeah i mean it's not my favorite of season one but i liked it i would i would watch it again um mostly just for that outlandish, ridiculous fight between Admiral Quinn and Riker, which I I just cried laughing the whole time. And my notes were like, roundhouse kick, roundhouse kick, coffee table smash. Like those were my notes. (laughs) It was so good. And I was like clapping my hands and crying (laughs) laughing because it's just so bad. It's amazing. It's amazing. So overall, yeah, I like the episode. How about you? I know you really dig it. I was so, so, okay. This is the one and only story arc. If we don't count Q, which let's not, yeah. this is our only story arc in season one, something where the story of one episode actually carries on to another episode. And this story arc begins way back in Coming of Age, which was a couple episodes ago. So that's mm-hmm. also a little bit weird that their story arc isn't back to back because that's almost always how 
they do things in Star Trek TNG. They always have like a to be continued as we'll see in future seasons and they yes. kind of pick it up in the next episode. But that's not what they did here. They waited like a couple episodes before they came back to this. And what I think is actually kind of brilliant about that is that this story arc was about a conspiracy. So it kind of makes sense that it might take a little while for the conspiracy to really reach the upper echelons of Starfleet. And then this episode, I really, really liked for the same reason that you said, Andrea, is I really like the idea of this like invasion of this all-powerful federation. It's very interesting. And then as they kind of, and we'll get into the details of this, but as they dig into this conspiracy, you're kind of like, but who is behind this? And like, why would they do this? Because the federation has tons of enemies and it's just kind of like, but who would be so clever? Yeah. And so like clandestine. And then we, we don't get a ton of satisfaction with that, I think, but like, I don't know. I just thought that was so interesting. And I feel like they could have, they could have maybe taken this even further. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know what? I think you're right. I actually do like that the story arc ends multiple episodes later because you're right from the point where a conspiracy kind of begins and it's just sort of hidden in the shadows. And Admiral Quinn was like, I'm not really sure, but something is wrong in Starfleet to the next week being like, okay, the plan has unfolded and we're full steam ahead. It's like, no, no, you're right. That doesn't make sense. Like it needs a while for things to like build Mm -hmm. and moves to be made. So um, it might've been nice if they did little touches of it in the intervening episodes. They don't, that's not the kind of show that this is. Um, I, I do have some trivia about this story itself. So the original version of the script did not feature alien parasites at all. This conspiracy in question was supposed to just be like a military coup within Starfleet. Just Mm. some faction of people get disenfranchised and like try to take over. But good old Uncle Gene was totally opposed to such an idea because he thought that Starfleet would never stoop to such methods. And it's like such a utopic government because, you know, human beings don't have human feelings apparently anymore. And nobody wants to ever like take power or consolidate power for themselves. Mm-hmm. So he was like, there's no way that like people within Starfleet who like take an oath would do such a thing. So Tracy Torme suggested, you know, that it, it was a parasite because suggesting that it was anything less than a perfect government, like just did not fly with Gene. And you know what? That actually makes sense because I, I think I put somewhere in my notes, like here, what, what's a little bit refreshing and sort of not is that here again, we have mind control, but this time it's with parasites instead yeah. of viruses. Yep. And it's the same thing for the same reason, right? Is that Uncle Gene <laughs> is like, nope, we cannot have any kind of dissension among the ranks. So then they have to say, well, the only reason there's dissension is because of this outside force. And they did the virus thing like 50 million times in season one. So they had to pick something different and they picked a big <laughs> parasite. And I actually appreciate that because it almost makes you forget all the other mind control episodes. I feel like the episodes, as the episodes progress in season one, the writers must have been like, mind control, but hear me out, hear me out, (laughs) parasite. And they're like, oh, we've already done mind control. It's like, hear me out though, not a virus. Oh, like, I feel like that's how it must have gone. (laughs) I feel like they were just like, can we do this story? And Gene's like, no. What if we added mind control? And he's like, yes. All right, let's dive into this episode. Uh, Number one, clearly scants are going out of style because they are fucking everywhere in this episode. In this episode, every single time they open a scene on the bridge, a scant walks across. Yep. Every single time. In fact, (laughs) for the past, I think, 10 episodes, every time the, the episode opens up on the bridge, a scant walks by. But this one was every time the scene opened on the bridge. I was like, holy cow. They were like truly trying to make use of all those extra scans yes. they made. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch. And we have seen scans a lot in season one. But holy shit. They were like 
throwing scants in there Mm. like it was garlic salt like just seasoning every (laughs) single scene and i did see some men in scants which we haven't seen since like episode one or three or something so um but yeah that's like all over the damn place just oh my god i just wrote scants everywhere in capital letters all right so data and jordy are like kind of jordy's telling data a joke Mm -hmm. on the on the comms Mm -hmm. and i thought this doesn't seem very professional. Like you're on duty and you're sitting here like cracking jokes. Although like the rest of the bridge does seem to be like kind of like relaxed and Troy's talking about going for a swim in Pacifica and how like swimming in the holodeck isn't the same. They're heading to Pacifica for like some scientific exploration, but I guess like Pacifica is an oceanic world. And so it sounds a little bit like Riza. Yeah. It sounds like Riza. Like, I can't wait to swim and just like, yeah, so it seems like they're just kind of like just meandering on their way to Pacifica to like meet for something, but it looks like it's going to be pretty lax. However, I don't know if you notice this, but this code 47 comes through and the code 47 is for captain's eyes only. Mm-hmm. So Riker has to um, wake up Picard in his quarters. And my first thought was, why is Picard asleep when everybody else is on duty yeah it's kind of funny it's not the night shift like it's nothing like why are you asleep when literally everybody else is working is it your day off do you guys get days off maybe he does get days off we don't know maybe maybe that's why he's so cranky all the time because he just needed a nap (laughs) i don't know so he's so he's napping um or off duty it's an off day or something. or something. And then Riker's like, Captain, code 47. And he's like, code 47. And he hops up and he's like, hello, what's going on? And so he's talking to his old buddy. And uh, this buddy, Walker Keel, Walker is like, we need to talk ASAP. Can only be in person. You know, let's do this. So he comes out. Picard comes, or does he come onto the bridge or does he just come? I don't even remember. But he tells everybody to make a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he tells he, he comes onto the bridge and says we need to change get course. there quickly. Yes, and he says, yeah. make no logs and no mention of this. Like there will be no record. And they're like, Well, should we tell Pacifica that we're gonna be late? No, don't tell anybody anything. Just change course and get down there immediately. Mm-hmm. And everybody looks very suspicious. And they're like, Should we be worried? Is something going on? And he's like, like, we'll talk later. Like, I'll tell you later, whatever. And I just mm-hmm. I thought this was such a contrast to the previous episode that started this arc to coming of age when that, when Admiral Quinn came on and was just like, do it, you're under investigation and I'm not going to answer anything. Yeah. You know, and everybody was just like, yes. but what's going on? I'm not going to tell you, but what, I don't want the first officer in there. And everybody felt like he, so I just compared this to, you know, Picard is being super secretive, but everyone trusts him. They're confused. They want to know what's going on, but they kind of, yeah. there's a sense that like, they're going to know what's going on when they need to know, which is the exact opposite of the way Quinn came on where he was just like, you're not going to know because you don't need to know. And, and I just thought that was really interesting. Like the, like emotionally how I felt different with Picard being secretive versus the way Quinn was being secretive. Yes. Yes. It, it, it definitely had like shades of similarities where it was just like hyper, hyper, hyper secret. Um, but yeah, I think that he handled it a little bit differently from Quinn. That was like, just do it. And I'm not going to tell you jack shit. And like Picard is like, if I have to tell you, I will, but it right now is not the moment. All right. So, they get to Ditalix B, and several Federation ships are already in orbit. I don't know about you, Sharice, but if I were having some super secret meeting and then a bunch of other ships were there, I'd be like, what? I feel is- like this isn't that secret now. You invited friends. Yes. I don't know, but I, I mean, the whole time, Picard's just like very, he's very confused as well. He doesn't know what's going on, and the only reason 
he came was because turns out that Walker was one of his oldest friends, that Walker was his friend from way, way, way back. And that's the only reason why he just dropped everything, trusted him, came. And when he saw the other ships, he was like, whatever, and just went anyways, all based on their like historic friendship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this begs the question, is there anybody for you that if they gave you the code 47 that you would drop everything and go to for some super secret something? Definitely. You are one of those people, Andrea. If you called me and you were just like code 47, like something, (laughs) you know, something awful is going on and I can't tell you over the phone. Yeah, I would definitely like, I mean, I have an electric car, so it may take a while to get there. I mean, <laughs> charge it, go halfway, charge it again, get all the way. But you know, I would go. I would totally go. There, yeah, I have a handful of people that I would absolutely drop everything and go. That's a very nice place to be as an adult, I got to say, <laughs> because we have a lot of friends when we're kids and there's less friends when we're a little bit older. And then as we get into like full-blown being a grown-up adulthood, our, you know, friend circle t- tends to, in general, mm-hmm. like get smaller and smaller. And then it's just like a few people, core people you really trust. You are one of those people for me as well. If you gave me the code 47, I would be A, excited that you said code 47. <laughs> and then I would jump into my non-electric car and drive over there. And I'll be like, you know what? Don't come to me. I'll just come to you because I'll be there in 25 minutes. Exactly. I was going to say, you'll be here in like 20 minutes. Yeah. If you come to me, it's what? 9.30 a.m. now. I'll expect you around 7 p.m. I'll be here. I'll be here in time for season three. <laughs> <sighs> Don't drive so, electric people. Here's a- <laughs> Get a hybrid. Get a hybrid. <laughs> so so here's a little something. And this is for a very niche group of, of viewers who love like 80s TV shows, as I do. Captain Scott. So he gets down to the planet. So Picard gets down to the planet. And there's Walker Keel is there. There's a woman, Captain Scott, and another captain who's like a bluish alien. I didn't get his name. Mm-hmm. Captain Scott, the woman, I was like, God, she looks so familiar. And I know her as like a tough guy character, but from where? I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I remembered one of my other favorite shows, The Golden Girls. She plays a hooker that's in jail. <laughs> so that's that answers it right there. That's a, that's a big That's a big shift from... Captain Scott, although, spoiler alert, Captain, Sp- Captain Scott dies in the end of this episode, and things don't turn out for, so well for her either way. <laughs> she's a prostitute. She's a captain gets killed. Uh, <laughs> didn't you see that coming? I mean, I did. This is the theme. Whenever we have some, you know, minority who's interesting, they get killed off, right? Like the other, yep. like when we had that chief engineer who was, um, who was Indian, and I was like, an Indian chief engineer? This is amazing. And then he immediately dies. And you're like, come on, dude. So when I saw her, this scene, okay, wait, let's, let's back up from this scene. And then we'll talk about why I think Captain Scott's amazing and how I knew she was going to die <laughs> at some point. So, so he gets onto the planet and then there are all these, you know, there's these other captains there and they start and Walker starts asking uh, Picard all these questions to verify his identity. And I totally had a flashback to Harry Potter and the polyjuice potion that turns people into Ooh, another person. And you have to ask yes. like all these questions to make sure they are who they say they are. So we get, okay. We've just leveled up in our nerddom. Mm-hmm. We've just leveled up right here. <laughs> if, as if we could, um, we did. And, and so they're at, he's asking all these questions and, and not only did I think that was actually really smart in a conspiracy situation to like check people's identity, but also you get this little glimpse into the background of Picard and Crusher. Cause you find out like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like this is the guy who introduced Beverly to her husband, Jack, who's passed away. And you're like, whoa, so they've really been friends forever. Um, yes. and, and now I'm interested because there's actually this episode where Picard like goes back into his past. I don't know if you remember this episode. 
Oh and yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and he has those, those friends. And I'm like, is that guy, but I feel like that guy was crusher. Not, not this guy, but anyways, that might be a continuity, uh, boo-boo, but that's totally understandable. So anyways, so they're asking all these questions and then, and then Walker's like introducing, you know, Captain Scott, because he already knows the other guy, the like cool alien looking guy. Mm-hmm. And so with Captain Scott, what I love is that first of all, black female captain, what? Yes. CNG, that is a big freaking feather in your cap. You know, you putting you putting on the red captain's uniform as your cosplay years ago, mm-hmm. you just straight up are Captain Scott right there. Yeah. Like kick-ass black woman captain. Without the deathy part. Totally. <laughs> Without the deathy parasite part. Yeah. But you're right. She's a badass because she's like the youngest woman, the youngest person ever in Starfleet history to make captain. And just so cool. Yes. And she's fucking confident about it. She owns it. And I love that. Women are taught constantly from a very young age to kind of just always be like apologetic. Mm -hmm. So even if you, even, you know, where, where one person might be like, I did this, this, and this, and I rocked at it. Women are sort of taught to that. It's not, I don't know, ladylike or some, some other stupid shit. That's like, you can't own your accomplishments without being like, I mean, but it's not that big a deal. You know, it's like, no dude, it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. You rock. Picard asks, are you as good as they say? And she says, yes, I am. And I was like, yeah, I love that too. I actually applauded out loud. I was like, oh, if all women everywhere could, you know, when someone's like, are you that good? And you're like, yes, I am. I was just like, boom, that's right. Yes. I love that. And then at that moment, I knew she was going to (laughs) die. If Patrick Stewart, <laughs> no, because if Patrick Stewart had been asked, are you as good as they say, he would say yes. And he would do some sort of humbling mm-hmm. comment, whatever about it, but it wouldn't be out of line at all. And people would be like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, he is. And there would be no second thought about it. But Captain Scott said, yes, I am. And I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, she, they, they can't keep an interesting minority around. That's not Star Trek. Yeah. So. <laughs> At least not, not in season one. We'll see what it looks like by the end of season seven. At least not in season one and most likely not in TNG. But Discovery, yes. Right. And then so. when, exactly. And it's like, that's, yeah. Anyways, I was so, I, this was a very proud moment for me to see this because I just felt like they were really empowering to women and minorities in this one scene, which is something I have not seen in all of season one. Yeah. So I was like, yes. yes. And oh, I'm sure they're going to kill her before the episode's over because we can't keep yep. this going. And that does yep. happen, but not till the very end. So it's like a little bit longer than Sing. Sing, sing yes. didn't last past like his introduction, which was such a bummer. <laughs> I'd love to have an, an Indian chief engineer, but anywho, yeah, absolutely. Moving on. So, so, so Walker is warning Picard that something is amiss and not to trust anyone. And this doesn't really arouse a whole lot of suspicion in Picard because he's like, you haven't really given me anything to be suspicious about. Like, mm-hmm. there's no concrete data but walker is saying listen some people have gone missing some like high level starfleet officers have died under very suspicious circumstances there's been kind of a lot of cover up and then he says like old friends of mine have been bluffing through conversations about old days like they they're not who they say they are and i don't know how that's true how that like how that happens yeah and and i think that this is a testament to how close Walker and Jean-Luc Picard were in their past because he's like, fine, I'll keep my eyes open. And he does. And he does. Mm -hmm. It's not, he doesn't just blow them off and he's like, oh, you're just imagining things. All right. I'll see you you around. You know, that's something I really appreciate on um, TNG in general, like on on Star Trek in general, because I actually remember this happening even, even in Voyager where a character will say there's something suspicious I mean, so far, like, we, if it's Wesley, it doesn't count. But um, somebody else, if somebody else says there's something suspicious, 
then it's like, well, most poor people, Wesley. right, poor Wesley, they're just like, shut up, boy. But if someone else says there's something suspicious, then people take them seriously. If they go like something, you know, I felt something weird or something just happened while I was asleep. They don't just go, yeah. oh, that was in your mind. You were just like, they don't dismiss them. They always go, hmm, no. well, we didn't see anything, but let's run a sensor check. Let's do a sweep. Yeah. Let's do the, like they actually take people at their word and check it. Let's run a level one diagnostic. Yeah. Yeah. They check it. And I just really appreciate yeah. that. Like, I feel like how empowering would that be if you worked for a company or an organization that if you felt something was off and you said something, actions were taken immediately where people were yes. like, hmm, we're not sure about that. We don't see that, but let's check just to be sure. I feel like yes. that just feels like such a like really what's the opposite of toxic? I don't know. Healthy, good, <laughs> amazing <Yeah. laughs> environment to work in. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, how many, how many times in our life have we noticed something is off or odd and you mention it and either you're blown off mm-hmm. or you get the lip service like I'll look into it and then you know it's kind of an eye roll as you walk away and you're like all right so nobody's going to do anything about mm-hmm. that all right whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah so Picard and Riker it, so Picard comes back to the ship oh before this Walker does make a special point to say please send Beverly my regards or please say hi to Beverly for me, which Walker knows full well Picard can't do that. Because it's a super secret meeting. Yeah, because it's super secret. So he knows he can't do that. But I feel like, wow, Picard is not the only man who like holds a candle for Beverly. Oh, I didn't see it that way. I just felt like they were old friends because he had introduced her to her husband. But yeah, that that could totally be true. I could I could totally see that. And later... Beverly walks up to the bridge to ask, like, did you see him? That would have been so nice. And I mean, maybe it's an old friends thing, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like a little bit more. Also, Beverly, why couldn't you just comb badge up? Oh, why did you have to come? We know how that goes. Come all the way up to the bridge. Yeah. We know how that goes. Comm badges are only done when it's like, I don't know, when it's dramatically convenient. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) So a disturbance is detected and they go take a look at it and it is the Horatio. It's what's left of the Horatio, which there's so little left, they didn't even know what it was. It took them a while before they figured out this is actually a starship remains. And then yes. from the amount of remains, it has to be the Horatio. Like th- yes. there weren't even markings left of the ship. I think they I think they did. So Worf did say like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. It's the Horatio. So I think they found some sort of markings. He, but said, anyway, by the, he term- said by the amount of uh, debris. What do you say? Flop. Ah, it could only be, it could only be that was the biggest ship of the ships or whatever. So it could only be that ship from the amount of debris, which is like, dang, they like obliterated that thing. Yeah. So it, it's immediately like, uh, Oh, something is totally wrong. And I was also really bummed because I really liked Walker Keel. I would want, I wanted to see more of him and he's like a handsome silver Fox kind of captain. I was like, we could see more of him. Yeah. I want to see more of this and guy. He's cool. He's kind of edgy. He's kind of like, I don't know. He's just, he's not what you picture for a, for a captain. I think he would have been a really cool character to keep. Could we have kept Walker and Scott? Those have been two cool yes. captains Let's to bring keep those along. Back. Let's start a petition and bring those babies back <laughs> because I tell you. Yeah. And like Walker, I think was a good, could be a good foil for Picard because Walker is much more like casual mm-hmm. and just sort of a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, Picard is all about that, you know, the formality and all that. But anyway, so Walker is dead, unfortunately. And so is everybody aboard the Horatio. So we know something has gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And he was not wrong when he said like, hey, you need to keep your eye out. There's some sort of conspiracy going on. So Data is assigned this role of like going through all the records to find any abnormalities. And something is going, something's up. 
something's up. There's been a reshuffling of like the head people in certain sectors of Starfleet. Um, it's all been very hush hush, you know, Picard and Riker were like, well, why weren't we informed of these changes? And he's like, it was all done in like a very casual mm-hmm. sort of way. So as to not, and he made, he made this great like euphemism. It's analogy. the right word. Yes. He made this great analogy the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So it was done all very, very like quietly so that to not arouse suspicion. Yeah. So the enterprise is like, bam, let's go to earth. Which I thought was really interesting. I was like, well, I mean, what is the right thing to do in this situation? If your government has been taken over by an evil cabal. Yep. Uh, what do you do? And this is the same, this is the same question I asked so many times in season one when we had someone <laughs> under mind control who was like the captain or like Beverly Crusher. Where you're like, well, who do you go to when the captain's gone loopy? Who do you go to for medical advice when the only doctor on the entire ship is possessed? Like, it, yes. it's always like, well, shoot. You know, and so in this like, oh, no, Starfleet, you know, there's been some kind of conspiracy, but we don't know who. We know that Walker said the highest levels, but that can mean all of them. That can mean half of them. That can mean we don't know. And so for them to be like, you know what? And that was actually, you know, when they were like, what are we supposed to do? Like, just go to Starfleet and just ask them. And they're like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. It was just kind of like, well, I guess so. Where else are you going to go? <laughs> like, what else could you do? I don't know. What, what other options? I can see that. But I can also, if it were me, I'd be like, you know, before we go racing to Earth and essentially alerting the top brass that we're on to some strange activity, like we're on to you, something weird is going on, which now paints a target on your head. I would be a little bit more careful and I think I'd be a little bit more deliberate about who I reach out to, what, you know what I mean? Like try to gather a little bit more information and sort of piece together a picture. So I know how to proceed because, you know, if my boss is corrupt and then I come to my boss and I'm like, Hey, I found out that you're doing some corrupt shit. <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. Right. Like that doesn't, doesn't seem like the best idea. Yeah, no, I agree. And this, and I feel like this, the boss being corrupt is like when the captain gets possessed. I feel like this situation is when like the president of the company or the CEO is corrupt or something. And then you're like, well, shoot, tell him who can I tell? Cause if I tell my boss, they're going to be like, what am I supposed to do about it? You know? Yeah. And so I get, I, I feel like I would have wanted to have backup, but you can't trust anybody, which was Walker's entire point. Like Walker was yeah. saying like, I'm glad you're still you. We don't know who we can trust. Every I think people on my ship have been compromised, so I can't trust my own ship people, you know, my own crewmates. So it's just a very precarious situation. And I do think, I don't know, when they just go back to Starfleet and they're like, well, let's just get down there and find some answers. I'm kind of like, well, how could this in any way that's good? Like, <laughs> I don't, nope, I'm not seeing any positive into this scenario. It sure doesn't. So they jet to Earth, which I always love seeing Earth on Star yeah. Trek. Whenever the ships come back, I'm like, hey, like, I know that place. Yeah, that's where we came from. You know, like that, that's always kind of nice. But so the Admiral, yeah. <laughs> so the Admirals are puzzled why the Enterprise is there, right? Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ramek is there. And I love that Riker is like, well, I'm not thrilled to see him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is sort of breaking that rule of like all Starfleet officers have to yeah. like get along. Yeah. But I was like, okay. So they're invited to go down. Admiral Quinn beams aboard and he's got a laptop with him that's got the, the pink creepy crawler in there. Yeah. He's got a laptop right. case. <laughs> he's got a laptop case. <laughs> but no laptop yeah. Inside. Before laptops were a thing, yep. which is actually perfect because if you look at it, somebody had to manufacture that for the show. Mm-hmm. But laptops obviously weren't a thing in the 80s. So like that, if you look at it, it's like that's like the perfect laptop case, actually. <laughs> it's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think it's like a futuristic um like satchel or whatever is maybe what they were going for. That now we would just call a laptop case because now we have laptops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so so Picard meets Quinn and number a couple things happen right off the bat. Here we had the super secret, you know, code 47. We had the super secret mission on Dietalix B or this meeting. And then here's Picard talking with Quinn literally in the hallway being like, so there's some conspiracy. Like anybody could have heard you, dude. What are you doing? Like in the hallway, like crowded people, scants galore, kids running by, Wesley fixing some shit in the hallway. Like, what are you doing? Like you have ready rooms and observation lounges for this kind of shit. Or just regular quarters or like really any room. Apparently there's just, you know, cargo bays galore. They could have just popped into an empty cargo bay, I'm sure. Yeah, you could have gone to transporter room 14 and had a chit-chat with <laughs> nobody. There. Yeah, no, like, first of all, that's a major breach of conduct and does not line up with how severely secretive, like, this whole storyline right. has been so far. Right. So I'm like, why are you talking about this in the hallway? But he can tell, like, Quinn is just not himself, right? right? Like, Quinn is all chipper and cheery. Because he just, he mentions it very gently. He doesn't say, hey, what about that conspiracy? He goes, do you remember that thing we <laughs> talked about last time? That thing that you were kind of worried about with Starfleet? And then he goes, oh, Jean-Luc, you took me far too seriously. I was yeah. just worried about new this and new that. Ha, ha, ha. I would love to see the ship. And you're like, oh, okay. okay. And he's even like, you're looking very well. But last time I saw you, you were not looking well. Of course, I'm happy with life or whatever. You're just like, oh, okay. Like, I yeah. didn't get a dossier on these people or like. I don't know, because I feel like I feel like eat a back to Harry Potter with a polyjuice potion. At least they did some kind of research on the characters they were trying to pretend to be. Like they did something. They kind of like sounded like you know they tried to like walk like them or something. But anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. In a Star Trek podcast, <laughs> quote back to Harry Potter with the polyjuice potion. That's like gold right there. J.K. Rowling is going to call us and be like, stop talking about my show, my TV, like my movie and my books on your show. But anyway, so yeah, you're right. Like they should have gotten some background information, although didn't necessarily need it so much because Picard has been familiar and has known Quinn for many years as well. So it's like, you would know if your friend is acting weird. And you know, thank you, Picard, for being on the case because a second he tells... Quinn, like, hey, I need to beam down for this meeting, but, like, you know, Riker's gonna be here to, like, you know, whatever, whatever. I'll see you later. He pulls Riker aside, and he's like, that is not Quinn. Mm -hmm. I don't know who he is, but it's not him. Which is why he left Riker, because him and Riker were supposed to go down together immediately. Yes. And then he goes, you can tell when he's like, Riker's gonna, you know, escort you everywhere you need to go, and Riker's looking like, oh, that's new information to me, but I'm not gonna say anything, because that's what the captain wants me to do. And I actually appreciate that, too, that, again, is, like, the trust between the two of them where they could just yes. kind of like do that on the fly and just be like, all right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and like, I love that. And I love that they do have that where it's like, that's not him. I don't know who it is, but you need to keep an eye on him and come up with some excuse for Beverly to like give him a full medical mm-hmm. evaluation because this is something. I love that. And then he's all like, what kind of excuse? And he's like, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Thank you. I'm out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> This right? is where we see a little bit of the Picard coming out with like, just do it. Like, don't, don't ask me questions. Cause I don't know the answer either. Just figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Talk to Beverly. You guys can work together. That's why, that's why you guys yeah. are on this crew. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So in that moment, Picard is going to beam down and Riker is like, well, if some shit is up, mm-hmm. like maybe you should bring a phaser. And Picard's like, 
all right, thanks. And just beams down. I'm like, why didn't one you, does not beam you? into Starfleet headquarters armed. Like that's so inappropriate of a captain to do. And you're like, he did tell Beverly that a little bit later, but yeah, in that moment I was like, take one. They have those little teeny ones that like fit in your pocket. You wouldn't even know you had it. I don't see why that would be inappropriate under the circumstances. Because if he came down to correct, like, why do you have a gun? He'd be like, oh, I forgot. I mean, I don't understand why he couldn't just arm himself. Yes. I, what are you going to do if there is some crazy conspiracy? How are you going to defend yourself? He's not going to do hand-to-hand combat like Riker. You know, <laughs> you know what happens if that, if that is the case? What happens is exactly what we saw on the show. Like he was basically trapped yep. and going, oh shit, oh shit. You know, while they're eating worms. Like that's all he was doing. But before we get to that, Riker comes to Quinn. To be like, hey, you ready for your tour of the ship? But he just like waltzes right in. He doesn't even like, yeah. You know, the they, didn't do, sound they didn't do any uh, doorbell ringing in this episode. No, no, there was no doorbell ringing. All doors. He just pops right in, and then you know Quinn is looking at the little parasite and shuts it. And of course Riker's like, hey, you want to, you know, what's in the case? And the, so this fight ensues because Quinn wants to put the parasite into Riker, and this fight ensues, and it is the best effing fight in Star <laughs> Trek. History. And by best, you mean worst? <laughs> no, I mean best. I mean best because, well, yeah, because it was so bad. It was the worst, best fight. Number one, if Riker could do those crazy ass roundhouse kicks and like grasshopper kicks, why don't we see that any other place? Why don't we see that anywhere else <laughs> in the whole? Se- like the kick that he gives Quinn when he can, when he when Quinn grabs him and Riker's like, uh oh, something's wrong, and he's like, crazy strong, yeah. He punches him. <laughs> and like Quinn is like, ha, 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 is that all you got? So Riker goes, oh shit. And then does this like grasshopper kick, but essentially they're standing like a, yeah. you know, six inches apart. Yeah. So you basically have to shoot your leg like mm-hmm. vertically mm-hmm. to like kick somebody. It's like, Whoa. and Riker's like seven feet tall. So for him, to- <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and like I kept pausing because I just kept <laughs> wanting to see all the. All the body doubles, which were so great. So the body doubles get in this, get in this huge fight, and they're breaking the coffee table, and they're doing all kinds of kicks, and fl- it's just, it's, it's unreal. And I'm like, um, it takes quite a while. Riker's on the floor, I think, the third time before he finally hits the comm badge and says security. I was like, why yeah. didn't you do that the first time? Like, why didn't you do that when, immediately? When Quinn first manhandled you and like tossed you, you should have been like, uh, security. Like, let's get a few more people on this old guy. Maybe it was pride. I don't know. But eventually he did, he did hit his comm badge, thankfully, because had he not done that, I mean, he was still knocked out cold by the time they arrived. Um, but yeah. had but- he not done that, like he just would have been infected with the parasite and like nobody would have been the wiser and yeah, nobody I don't know what, how they would have hid the coffee table being all broken, but. <laughs> well, so here's, here's a couple of things that, that I noticed. Number one, you know what I mentioned the body doubles They're They're fantastically bad. Um, the old guy, so Admiral Quinn, I feel like his body double was Admiral Mark Jameson from too short a season. It was just like, <laughs> it's just like a, a very clearly young yes. guy mm-hmm. with gray hair, like wig on. I was like, I was like, Mark, is that you? <laughs> like, that treatment has been working wonders for your Iverson's disease or whatever you got. <laughs> so there was that. Uh-huh. Um, and then the smashing of the table, that was great. I mean, I just wrote like body doubles, roundhouse kicks, coffee table. So here's here's something interesting. Jordy and Worf race to Quinn's quarters. And I thought, 
this is your security detail, Worf and Jordy. Why is Jordy? Why is Jordy engineering and comms and security? At, like, yeah, why? And where's the team? Where are you? Back in the days when we had um, good old Yar, she would yep. at least come with the team. At least, yep. I mean, sometimes it'd be her and Worf, but they're both in security. But uh, you know, a couple times when they were like, "We need a, we need security down here," they'd be like three or four guys. Like that's yes. that to me is a team. But like that's a team. Just saying, Worf is not a team, and Worf and Jordy yes. sure as heck is not a team. Um, but whatever, Th- whatever they come. But Quinn proceeds to just beat the shit out of Worf and Jordy, and I think it's hysterical because he throws Jordy out the doors, like and so the doors doll. go like a rag doll and Jordy goes flying into the hallway and I thought with these doors wouldn't they open in time for him to like go flying through but they just get blasted off too fast yeah and I was like I didn't know those doors were that flimsy that a human body could go through them (laughs) that's the first time I've ever seen those doors it's kind of like in that episode with um with Worf and like the backstory of Worf where Yes, the, with Kittimer. Yeah, no, no, not oh, with Kittimer. Oh, the catwalk. A catwalk. The catwalk that breaks. Yeah. The catwalk <laughs> that breaks and is like now just like, you know, fake glass and they just fall right through it. And you're like, wait, people walk on that. There's like equipment up there. Why is that not stronger? It's kind of like that with the doors. You know, I feel like there should have been like an oversight committee on like building the Enterprise <laughs> and all these other sub- subsequent starships because yeah, the doors are too flimsy. The catwalks are sure as shit too flimsy. Yeah. Anyways, Jordy goes flying, but let's be honest, Jordy wasn't really going to do anything in that fight anyways. <laughs> he sure wasn't. <laughs> Sorry, Jordy. Sorry. If we need help with the isolinear chips, we'll call you. Yeah. But other than that, really, this is not the place. No. Right? But then he's like, Worf, let me see like your warrior heart or whatever. And then have you noticed that every time Worf gets into a fight, he does the weird like double fisted, like he tries to smack people. That's how Klingons I fight. Yes, I, I was like, I was like, what's with the double fit? Okay. That's how Klingons fight. Like they, they carry that through all the way through the seasons and even into Voyager that they always fight with this double fisted, like punch, <laughs> I guess it's like a future kind of a punch. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's future punching. That's why they all it like, is. that's how they fight. You know, I kind of want to go to like post COVID, <laughs> like one of those like County fairs where they can measure like yeah. how hard you punch and yeah. punch something with one fist and then do the double. Cause I feel like the double punch would be not as hard. Yeah. Cause if it was, if it was harder, MMA fighters would use that. And they don't. Absolutely. Well, luckily, yeah. Dr. Crusher just happens to be strolling down the hallway with a phaser and just knocks him unconscious. Oh, I'm sure she was part of the security detail. Yes, because we want the chief medical officer to potentially get knocked out. Like, We're lucky we didn't get Wesley. <laughs> That's true. He's not in this episode at all. So, he's not. But usually he's the one who's the security detail. Well, here's the thing. If Wesley were in this, he would have been the one that discovered the conspiracy, had the secret <laughs> meeting, contacted Walker Keel on the Code 47. Uh, yeah, he would have been, he, he made the decision to go to Earth. Like, he would have done all of it. But so. even without him, the Crushers saved the day. Still saved the day. It was still a win by Beverly Crusher. Yeah, it was. It was. So she knocks him unconscious and they're able to determine that there's this alien that's taking control of Quinn and that creepy little tail sticking out of the... The gill. The gill. Let me just tell you, actually, the last 10 minutes of this episode, I watched looking away the entire time because oh, I was just no. like, things coming out of people's mouths. That's not the whole thing. That's this just This is the best, worst part of the episode. Oh, this is so like- gross. This for me. Okay. So I remember as a child watching this episode and being horrified and terrified because, you know, the chest exploding, the head blowing up, the aliens yeah. coming out of the mouth. But now I see it and it's like this little claymation thing. And I was like, oh, look at that thing coming out of the mouth. Okay. Like yeah, it just I mean, cracked me up. It's very like it's very 80s of uh, special effects, 
but the thought of it is still disturbing to me. And I am a freaking grown woman now. If this was made in 2020, with 2020 like CGI, it would be like too creepy and horrible to watch. So Crusher has determined that there's a parasitic alien that's taking control of Quinn and that tail in the back of the neck is a giveaway. So she calms down to Picard, who's down on Earth, and he can't reveal what he knows without endangering himself, right? And like, what happened to our super secret comm channel? They were just like chit-chatting in the hallway. Yeah. It's headquarters. Yeah. I was just like, they sure were. They sure were. Yeah. So she's like, so it's this alien. It's taking control. You can tell because this little thing is sticking out of their neck. Da, da, da. So he's like, oh, fuck. Like, I have to now go into this dinner, which the COVID quote unquote survivor in me, the per- like we're going through COVID. I saw how far apart those tables were and I went, nice. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> this is COVID approved. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, this I can deal with. So before they go into dinner, though, and before Beverly has says, hey, mayday, mayday, like something fishy's going on, they have like tea. They have some yes. whatever tea or ale or something like that. It's a tea. Yeah. And they and they um, are like to the Horatio, which I thought was super tacky because they're like kind of giving a subtle like F you to Picard. Like, we know you guys were talking. Oh, we yeah. know you guys were in that mission and we're the ones who killed him, you know. And so they're all sitting around drinking. They're like, drink up, drink up. It's delicious. And then he has a little sip. And I was like, don't drink it. I know. If you think there's a terrible conspiracy going on, don't eat or drink anything. Don't come to dinner. Like, he's never watched a movie, I think. This, for me, has been a sticking point in every movie and TV show I've ever seen with a conspiracy like that. When you suspect that your food or drink has been drugged, what do you do? I know what you don't do. You don't drink it. You don't. You don't. But like, what excuse can you make up or what can you? Because at this point, they're still exchanging the pleasantries and the veil hasn't been dropped. Like, I'm on to you. I know you guys are parasite controlled Mm -hmm. or something. Like, so he's still sort of pretending to go along with things. And I was like, don't drink the fucking tea, Picard. Be like, you know what? I just filled up on some Earl Grey like you wouldn't believe earlier. Like, I'm good on tea. And he he takes a little sip. And then that's it. And I was thinking about you actually, Andrea, and a while back when um, we were talking about that episode where everyone um, crash landed and Picard yes. was trying to take care of Crusher yeah. underneath the like gr- underground and there were some roots and she was like, break it in half, bite it, whatever. Yeah. And how you were like, no, like that's not how you do it. If it's poisonous, you like touch it to your lips. You do mm-hmm. this, you do that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that would have been a good call for this move to just, um, you know, like pretend to drink it and just touch the liquid to your lips and then see if there's any weird reaction. You know, I thought, oh, okay, he could have done something like that. Call. But really, like, it didn't matter because they weren't going to poison him. They were just going to stick a freaking parasite in his throat or whatever. But still, still. Yeah, that, we'll see. That's a good point. Like, touch it to your lips and pretend to sip or something. I don't know. But yeah, I was like, that's a very, very bad idea. But he goes into this dinner and the dinner is all grub worms. And I was like, I'm sure that's like what the parasite wants to feed on. Right? But I was like, why? Mm -hmm. If you're still... If you're Starfleet Command and you're still pretending that everything is hunky-dory, why would you roll out the worms? Yeah, well, see, everybody in that room were parasites. Yeah. And they were going to take Picard. But this is the weird thing about this this episode is that all of this was just psychological torture for Picard. Oh, okay. For absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, but- what's the point? <laughs> just grab him, stick a parasite in his mouth, and call it a and day. keep it moving. Yeah. Like we were going to do with Riker. Just yeah. keep it moving. Yep. But for whatever reason... For Picard specifically, this was all psychological torture. So the drinks and toasting to the Horatio was like messing with him without saying anything. Showing him the grub worms was messing with him without saying anything. Showing him that like Riker's been taken, Scott's been taken. It was all just to freak him out. 
And then they were going to turn him into the parasite thing because they they plan on capture. They weren't going to kill him. They said we're going to capture you and and Riker so we can have Doctor Crusher. Enterprise. Yeah. So it was just yeah, it was just a mess with him for like no reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See that I can see because I was like, what purpose would that serve to be like mm-hmm, worms? Let's freak you out. Like it was just messing with him. Well, that's nice. That's nice to know. Um. So Picard, the backing away that he does is so great. He is <laughs> equal parts disgusted and terrified. Yeah. And he is like very wishing he had a phaser. <laughs> yes. He is doing the most awkward back away <laughs> ever. And like nobody even bothers to be like, they know he's not going anywhere. <laughs> they know he's not going to get out. I guess that's true. I mean, but can't you just be like, Enterprise, want to beam up, Beep, like, and call it a day? Like, Enterprise, want to be get the fuck out of there. You know, it's, you know, something is wrong. Get out of there. That would have been, that would have been me with the freaking tea. Yes. I'm, like, oh, I'm good. I think I need to go back, check on Riker, see what's up. The minute that Picard said, you know what? Let me take this call from Beverly. I'll be right in. They're like, okay. And they all go in and leave him alone. I'd be like, Beverly, beat me up right now. Like, Data, beat me up. Yeah. So he goes in. He's trying to back away. Riker comes in looking infected. He's got this little tail sticking out of his neck. Captain Scott walks in. She's also being infected. So Riker goes to eat the worms like everybody. But it's a ruse because why would you need to put your hands in worms? Just start blasting. You don't need to pretend to eat whatever. But I actually think that was good from a storyline perspective that he didn't just walk in the door and just start blasting everybody away that would have made more like that would have been more efficient if he just walked in was like i've got you captain pew 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 and if he had brought an extra phaser and they could both be just like you know but um but what's nice about him doing this whole ruse is that you actually do as the as the listener as the viewer we get to see who's behind this and why they're behind this and what their plan is a little bit more than if he had just walked in and started Oh, that's blasting. right. He did tease it out and they were talking. They were, they were yeah, sort of revealing said, their Here plan. Here are our big plans and this is what we've been doing and we've been taking over the government and we're going to do this next. And you're kind of like, oh. So from a storyline, it's like more satisfying because you get some answers. And you're also freaking out because you're like, oh no, Riker's got it. And, and the way, like when Riker woke up, he just like grabs Beverly from behind. Yeah. And that stops. So you're like, oh crap. Like, Quinn must have gotten the parasite into him and he must have been infected and he did take over Beverly and he, and so you're starting to think like, Oh crap, like there's no way for Picard to get out of this scenario. So like as a viewer, that makes it so juicy. As always, as always, I'm poking holes in things, not the creepy kind of holes, but just, you know, plot holes. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, you're the answer lady. That's like answer. You are like the answer lady, Sharice. That's amazing. So, um, Riker starts blasting away. Um, I I called him Admiral. I called him Admiral. What's his name? Admiral. What's his name? Runs away, and he's running down the hallway. And Beverly has said, "You have to set the phasers to kill. It's the only way to like totally take them out." So Scott has died, which makes me sad. You see the parasite like crawl out of her mouth. Um, Admiral, what's his name? Runs away. They have this little chase in the hallways, and it cracks me up because I don't remember what his name is, and it doesn't matter. But he's running for his life. And Riker and Picard are in pursuit and they go, Admiral. And he stops and turns around to like, look. And I'm like, the number one thing you don't do when you're running for your life is when people say stop thief or whatever, you don't stop. You don't do that. Don't do that. Keep going. So they get him. Yes. That was in my notes. If someone is chasing you, don't turn back. Even (laughs) if they call your name, that was my note to self. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right, so yeah, they get him. He dies. Parasite comes out of his mouth. And then here's where we get this crazy ass climax that as a child terrified me to no end. So the parasite crawls under the door. 
and they walk it, you know, Riker and Picard run in, phasers at the ready, and Remick is in there doing something. And we hear beeping, and the parasite starts crawling up his freaking leg. And they're like, Remick, look out. And he's like, hmm? Nothing to be afraid of. And yeah. it crawls and into And Riker his- was going to shoot it, and Picard's like, no, 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 don't shoot it. Let's just see what happens. Let's, let's see how this plays out. Yes. Because which- clearly Remick is not freaking out at all about it. So couldn't what's be, that about? Couldn't be less concerned about it. So it crawls into his mouth, and then here's the thing that scared the shit out of me as a child. His neck starts bulging. He's, like, bursting full of parasites, which I'm like, like, as a biologist, you can, you can attest to this. When you're doing your undergrad for biology, there are so many times in so many different classes that you have to do, like, there are chapters on parasites. For, like, yeah. damn near every bio class, there's a whole section on parasites. Mm-hmm. I always had the skin crawlies. All the time. They're just, parasites are, they're gnarly. They're crazy and it's cool how they operate, but they're disgusting. They're so gross. Anyway. They're cool and they're gross. That's true. And even when I taught, I used to teach microbiology in college classes. And so I would teach about these parasites and I would always give, uh, I would always give fair warning to my students because I know how I get grossed out by things, even though I'm a germ expert, it's the irony. So (laughs) I would always be like, warning, this is a parasite that's going to be in X part of the body and it's going to look like Y. So it's going to be a little gross. And a lot of my students were pre-nursing students and pre-med and stuff. And so they're like, whatever, not a big deal. We can see anything. And I'm like, all right. Don't say I didn't warn you though, you know, cause like it's one thing to just see something gross. It's another thing to see it with no like warning that it's going to happen. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the difference. We didn't have a, we, we didn't know this was going to happen with this person. We didn't know what was going to happen with his neck is freaking bulging. And then Riker and Picard are like, I've seen just about enough of this. So they shoot (laughs) Remick. In the face. And we learn, <laughs> we learn that phasers have a fourth level above kill and that's face melt. <laughs> Wait, we already had a fourth level. That was, that was fire. Sorry. <laughs> that okay, was when they just so set have, things on fire. Have, so here, here we have a few levels. We need to break down the levels of the phaser. Number one is stun. Okay. We also have right. kill. We know that. We also yes. have um, heating up rocks. Oh, yes. <laughs> like yes we have warm. We have we warming have things. Yeah, toasting yeah. things. We have um, cut open a door. So like a laser yes. welder. And yes. now we have head explodey. Oh, so, and we had catch on fire. Yeah, we had that catch on fire. When, when catch Lord, your sleep on when fire. Set, set the <laughs> on, yeah, set Beverly on fire with the so phaser. I feel like those dials are going to be really confusing because as we get <laughs> further and further into the seasons, we're going to be like, oh, and then there's a there's a level that cuts your hair too or something. We're like, these are crazy levels. So yeah, we've got a face melty, head explodey level of phasing. Which was actually quite awful. This show is not usually a gory show, but the last 10 minutes of this episode were kind of gory. Kind of. Kind of gory. It was like crazy gory. So this is straight out of an 80s horror movie playbook right here. Yeah. Head explodey, chest cavity fucking explodes to reveal Mm -hmm. like a mother parasite, like the mother alien. It's basically alien. It is totally alien. I did write mother parasite burst out of his chest a la alien and they kill Mm -hmm. that one too. So the blood and the face melty and the eyeballs and the bulging neck, like this is a huge break. Oh yeah. This is a huge break with traditional Star Trek alien life form. So mm-hmm. this is this, the tonally, this episode is completely different. It's completely mm-hmm. different because of just like all the horror 
mm-hmm. components. Anyway, so they kill that alien that's like screaming horribly. And I wrote clean up on aisle two because, <laughs> because it's just, if you look at the, the body that's left and, and Dan Curry, who did the special effects on this, took a photo of his head. Like he kind of stood behind like the exploded chest cavity model and kind of stuck his head on top and took a picture and it looked very funny. And I was like, oh yeah, he's like kind of playing with like the model that he made. They did a great job with that. Like you have to build a whole model of a human with like an exploded chest and all this shit. But if you look at it, there's like the smoking remnants of Remick. Um, there's like all these little small parasites like strewn everywhere. Out. Right. Those are, it was like the one that climbed into his mouth. Like yeah. all the little baby parasites were also uh, in there. So right? nasty. Like, come on, dude. So come nasty. On. Come on, like, you guys. Wh- Tracy Torme, wow. I love you for the big goodbye and I hate you for this one. Um, because <laughs> gross. Okay. One thing I noticed in this scene before we got to the explodey part was when they first walk in and he like turns slowly in the chair. I thought, was that the wheelchair? No, from- it wasn't, but it's so but similar. It so cool. this, it's- cha- this chair looked really cool. I actually really liked it this did. chair. And I, but I thought to myself, is that chair really necessary? Can't you just be standing at, at a station at like all. beeping? But whatever. We need, it's the, cool. we need the chair for the slow dramatic turn. Yes. It wouldn't be as dramatic if he just turned around you standing. Know- and it wouldn't be as cool with the explosion because you is, just see like little legs. This sit in is there. classic '80s movies where like the bad guy is in a big chair and then slowly yep. turns to reveal mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, I get. Mm-hmm. I never. I never thought of it totally. that way. Well, they did take all of this out of like major '80s like horror movies. So Every I get, '80s movie that ever, ever happened ever was this scene. So here's yeah. the thing that beyond the like terrifying head explosion and the alien bursting mm-hmm. out of the chest, the homing beacon. That to me yep. is so scary. So we're left, we're left with a freaking homing. Oh my gosh! Yes, beeping out. So wait, let, let's get let's set, let's paint the picture for those of you who haven't seen this episode recently <sighs> and just go watch it. This one's worth watching. You know, this this one's like a yes, go watch. Yes, it. yeah. So okay, so Remick is this you know festering pile of remains, <laughs> and they look at each other like, oh, that's weird. And what I just thought about is like now our upper levels of government have all been murdered by the two of you. Yep. Where's the cleanup with this? I don't know. But they said that all also, the parasites died. Also, yeah, isn't there died. an inquiry, a court-martial, something? It's like, <laughs> the ship takes off and everything is yeah, just... Yeah, like, yeah right exactly. Like, I feel like there should be some kind of... I mean, there's dead bodies, people. There should be some kind of investigation, but whatever. What we learn is that the parasites die without the mother creature. Yeah, so they so, all died. So Quinn comes back to life because Beverly was saying, there's no way for me to remove this parasite. Like, it's, it's controlling his yeah. mind. But when the mother creature dies, the parasite in Quinn also dies. And so Quinn gets his mind back. And so supposedly every infected person in all of Starfleet yes. has now been made whole, you know, except for the ones that Riker and Picard murdered. Um, they've all been made whole. And so <laughs> they're fine. But then we go like, what was Remick in that room doing? What was the, you know, the evil ga- bad guy before he turned his chair? What was he up to in there? And then, and then data kind of reveals, like we figured out what it was. He was sending a homing beacon out into the middle of nowhere into uncharted space and so you're just like, holy crap! There's yeah. more of them, and now he's bringing in more of the mother. Because really, you had one and mother. And he's creature. basically he's basically saying, "Come and get us! Like we're here, we're here in Earth. Like this is our new our new home base or something." And remember, there was only one mother creature in this entire scenario. There was like a bajillion little baby creatures, but only one mother creature like controlling the entire hive. So it's like, wow, we don't want, I mean, even one more would be devastating yeah. to Starfleet. So that was really creepy. And I thought like, man, it's too bad the storyline never picks up again because that like, that kind of unknown seems, it's so interesting. It's like so engaging. There are so many, you're right. Like there are so many engaging endings to storylines that I keep wanting to do like a, where are they now? Like the, mm-hmm. like um, for symbiosis, 
you know, like where is this like drug trade in space? Like where are these planets now? Like Mm -hmm. in their, in their like societal evolution. Like I love the very last shot in this episode, which is the enterprise humming along and you just hear like in the background, the humming beacon. And I'm like, Oh Mm -hmm. my God. Like it is so scary episode. Oh, it's killer. Oh good. It's killer. Oh my goodness. From beginning to end, I was like the music where it's like, like the creepy music was so good. Like the score was amazing. 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 And I felt like this episode would have been the perfect season finale. It should have been. And there are reasons why it would have been better that way, but we will get into that next week. Cause I do have some deep dives about that. Um, so do you have any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap it up and allow a homing beacon to shoot out into the middle of space? <laughs> no, my, I mean, my final thoughts was I really liked this episode. It was fun to rewatch it. Yeah, it is. It is a good rewatch. Just um, be prepared if you're going to watch it out there. Uh, to, you know, maybe don't eat a heavy lunch before you watch this episode. Cause or you might want to do what I did. Look, look away for the last 10 minutes and just listen. You'll still get it. You'll still know what's going on. Explosions, people yelling, you'll get it. <laughs> this might be the only episode ever where Sharice, we have a Star Trek review show and you're like, I didn't watch the last 10 minutes. I just listened to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it is, it is, um, as we said, like way out of the norm. So they don't, they're not normally this gory and gross, but Oh my God. Next week, we are reviewing season one, episode 25, The Neutral Zone. Sharice, it is the season finale for season one. I couldn't be more excited to put this dumpster fire, as you said, of a season (laughs) behind us because, oh my God, I never want to rewatch this season again. Yeah. I mean, there've been some gems. There's definitely been some really good episodes in season one. Yeah. And there've been some really bad episodes in season one. So we've had a mixed bag, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. This show ages like fine wine. I am excited to see season two and then three and then four. And as we go on, it just gets better and better. Yeah. Oh yeah. See you next time, guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.